Welcome to the Ed Surge podcast for the week of May 11th through May 15th. I'm Charlie Locke, and I have a very special new host on the podcast with me today. Alice, want to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Alice Meyerhoff. While I'm usually busy bringing the money in for Ed Surge as the VP of Sales, I'm also a mom of two daughters in elementary school and a loyal listener to the Ed Surge podcast, mm-hmm. so I'm really excited to try my hand at hosting today. Well, we're lucky to have you. Thanks for coming on the show, Alice. Of course. That's the one upside to more than half the team traveling around the country this week. I get to be on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, Team Ed Surge is everywhere this week, except in the office, but more on that later. You ready to get started with the news? Definitely. I'm excited. Let's go. The ongoing saga of Los Angeles Unified School District's iPad and Pearson software implementation may have a silver lining. As Michael Horn, executive director of the Clay Christensen Institute, sees it, no one wants to be the next LA Unified. Hopefully, other districts can learn valuable lessons around procurement processes and research and development through LA's mistakes and look to successful implementations like at Milpitas Unified for a helping hand. EdTech isn't the only industry that needs to protect personally identifiable information. McKinsey's education practice offers up a couple ways that EdTech entrepreneurs can take pointers from companies like healthcare providers and banks, including self-imposed regulation, like in the credit card industry, and simple permissions requests to parents, like when apps like Google Maps ask to use your location. It can be challenging to reach students with disabilities, especially when it comes to online learning. This week, Brent Bentett, who has 30 years of experience working with students who learn differently, provides ways for how one could build an online learning platform that works for students with learning disabilities. His big suggestions, embrace universal design for learning and make the online experience aesthetically pleasing. Our EdSearch audience loves it when we do our top 10 school tools list. And lucky for all of you, we've got one this week. Every week, EdSearch sends out an educator-specific Instruct newsletter containing a section called School Tools, where we showcase three to five EdTech tools that have tickled our fancy. And out of 75 and more school tools showcased during January, February, March, and April, 10 products rose to the top. On the list, Pear Deck, Lit Charts, and Teach Me in the number one spot. Teach Me is an online suite of internet math games available for teachers, students, and parents to use inside and outside of the classroom. And now it's time for ka-chings! It was a quiet week in terms of U.S. ka-chings, but the international scene saw lots of action. Three Indian edtech companies announced funding rounds this week. Five million to Vedantu, which provides live online tutoring. Ten million to Topper, which offers prep materials for engineering and medical school entrance exams. And an undisclosed amount to Clever Kid, spelled with K's, an online marketplace for after-school activities. For more insights, including the two deals that dominated EdTech funding in Q1 2015, check out analysis in EdSurge's Kaching Quarterly Trends reports. And now for this week's deep dive. We may be well past the year of the MOOC, but the makers of massive open online courses continue to innovate and shake up education, especially in the post-secondary world. Several news stories during the past week have highlighted new partnerships to use MOOCs in place of some or all of a traditional higher education degree. But can MOOCs really bring higher education to students who wouldn't be able to attend a traditional university? That's what we'll be diving into today. Right. So first, to quickly summarize those stories that you mentioned, Alice, Arizona State University and edX recently announced ASU's Global Freshman Academy. Students will be able to earn credit for freshman year of college through edX courses rather than physically attending freshman year. 
And the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign also announced this IMBA program, where students can earn an MBA through Coursera's specializations course sequences. Right. So those are two examples where we can say that MOOCs are definitely improving access for students. Mm. Both of those programs boast that an online degree will be cheaper than an in-person one. The Global Freshman Academy estimates that it will cost around $600 per course, half as expensive as ASU's traditional online courses. And the IMBA program will cost an estimated $20,000 total, compared to $22,000 annually for in-person, in-state, full-time tuition at the University of Illinois. Another thing that's nice about the ASU program in particular is that it lets students make the transition from high school to college more easily. We know that so many students struggle with that transition and with the freedom and responsibility that comes with the move to college. So a student who's taking her freshman year online can stay home in more familiar and regimented surroundings and get familiar with college-level work while her old support structure is still intact. So in that sense, too, it seems like MOOCs are really helping a new group of students obtain a higher education degree. Students who used to drop out because of the workload can now be more successful because of the more gradual transition. And besides gradual transitions and the lower costs, there are a host of other benefits that always get talked about when people mention MOOCs. Yeah, we've heard those before. MOOCs can be accessed from anywhere, students can work at their own pace, they can rewatch lectures when needed. Right, but there are challenges that don't often get mentioned along with these benefits, and they can be pretty serious, especially when it comes to the low-income students that the programs are purportedly serving. Definitely. For example, one of the main benefits of ASU's Global Freshman Academy is that its courses cost half as much as an in-person course. But payment for the program works differently than for a traditional university. Students pay nothing until they complete the course, and because they pay for completion instead of paying tuition, students in the Global Freshman Academy actually don't qualify for federal financial aid. Which seems to entirely defeat the purpose of having a cheaper, more accessible course. Well, not for all students. If you have a student that would have to pay the original ASU tuition without aid, then the course will be cheaper. But yeah, you can easily imagine a scenario where a student who would have paid very little or nothing at all at the in-person program because of federal aid will actually pay more for the online course. And we need to talk, too, about the non-knowledge aspects of higher education. You've talked about it before on this podcast, but higher ed isn't just about the knowledge you learn in class. A huge part of it are the soft skills that you learn in how to get along with new people, manage your own schedule, network with professors. Cook a meal. I was just going to say that. <laughs> ah, yes, cooking is a big one. But these are the same 21st century skills that educators are so obsessed with teaching these days. And learning them is important to students' future success. Can students really learn those skills through MOOCs? Well, I think that the creators of the ASU program would argue that these skills can be learned in three years just as well as they can in four years, and that a gradual transition allows students to be successful by learning them slowly rather than jumping straight into independence. I have a little more trouble with the University of Illinois MBA program. If you ask any MBA student, he or she will tell you that much of the value of an MBA is tied up in the network you build while you're there. Great point. As a salesperson, I can guarantee you from experience that there is no substitute to FaceTime for networking. I agree with you there. So to summarize, I think the results here are inconclusive, as usual when talking about MOOCs. These programs are definitely steps in the right direction, but there are absolutely questions that still need to be answered. And it seems likely that we'll see some more kinks come up over the summer and fall as these programs are implemented. And of course, we'll be covering all of that on edsearch.com, so please keep reading. <laughs> Okay, that's all we have time for today. 
But while Alice and I are holding down the fort at the EdSurge office, our team is traveling to events around the country, including the New Schools Venture Fund Summit, the 1776 Challenge Festival Education Day, and the EdSurge Tech for School Summit in Atlantic City. Head on over to edsurge.com for coverage of these events and more. And if you missed it in our Innovate newsletter this week, we have just announced a very special EdSurge Summit in Davis, California this summer. We're partnering with the California State Department of Education to bring groups of superintendents and their teams together with some of the leading ed tech companies. If you're an educator, you can register for free today at edsurge.com summits. Or if you're a company interested in participating, you can apply at that same site or reach out to me. And by the way, thanks to Brent Bettett, Carrie Gallagher, and all of the other writers who contributed to EdSurge this week. And a big thank you to Jane Miller over at Chalk Up, who included EdSurge on her list of the education podcasts that should be in your headphones right now. She wrote, if you're just looking to stay on top of what's happening in the EdTech world, look no further than EdSurge. Thank you, Jane. And of course, many thanks to all of you for listening to and reading EdSurge. And if you have feedback on how we can improve our podcast, please shoot us a note at feedback at edsurge.com. Okay, that's it for today. I'm Alice Meyerhoff. And I'm Charlie Locke. We'll see you next week. This is the Ed Surge Podcast.